Well, we've learned this week that Carolina is indeed still active in the transfer portal, looking to add to its roster for next season. Turns out we might not have three scholarships left after all. You are Locked On Tar Heels, your daily podcast on the UNC Tar Heels, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, it's Friday, June 30th. How is it the end of June 2023? Welcome into the Locked on Tar Heels podcast, the only daily North Carolina show out there. I'm your host, Isaac Shade, and joining me, yes, on Friday, I know you all have been clamoring for it all weekend and we just keep getting pushed back, is our guy, Coach Pat Kilby, in the house. He's, if you're watching on YouTube, you can see him sitting in his new sports room. It's coming together great, Pack. I can't wait to watch it develop behind you over the next several weeks and months on the show. That'll be a fun little thing to see. Uh, folks, it's going to be a fun show today. We're having a conversation, like I already said, uh, about kind of what we're learning about what Carolina is still doing to complete this year's roster. I want to look about what we can learn about what Carolina is looking to do with their future roster makeup by who they're recruiting in the class of 2025. And then also we had a great listener question about secondary break and pick and roll. And you know, we're going to unpack it with coach Pat Kilby. So all of that coming up, by the way, for those of you watching the show, I'm for the last time wearing my little league shirt. A lot of you had asked about how our, our tournament game went. And the sad news is that I just, about an hour before Pack and I are recording this, we lost one to nothing on a walk-off in the bottom of the last inning. Uh, it was a great, fun game. There was a play at the plate. Our pitcher got the ball and almost tagged out the runner, but he, he beat him home, and so we end the year. And it was great. My son Pack's, uh, not Pack's Kilby's namesake, but, man, they're, they're brothers in arms, had one of his uh, only couple hits of the season. He's still just kind of getting in the groove of it. But, but had a hit tonight, and, and it was really cool. Special father-son moment. So anyway, thanks for all the questions about it. But uh, sadly, we are over. All right, Pac, let's get into our first conversation here today with all the, all the West Virginia stuff that's going on. And we've talked about that earlier this week. All the everydayers know we've been having that conversation about Carolina reaching out to Mohamed Wagi, who has visited DePaul and then most recently... Uh, Kansas State, to our knowledge. Um, and then also we learned on Wednesday, I believe it was, that Carolina is also made contact with another West Virginia transfer portal entry, James Oconquo. And so what, what this is telling us, Pac, you and I have speculated on this show that perhaps Carolina would just stick at 10 scholarship players and hand out the other three to walk-ons. But it's clear what we're learning from this action that the Tar Heels are at the very least still putting uh, inquiries out there. What do you make of all of this? Well, there's really several takeaways I get from it. Um, you know, first of all, there could be um, this thought process of, uh, and we've talked about it before, like a draft and stash type. Um, mm. As we all know, you know, Armando, this will be his final season, yep. no matter what. And we don't have a lot of depth at the five, you know. We do not. We've talked about the fact that Jalen Washington of the roster makeup as it stands is the best option to back him up at the five. But 
when Baycott is gone, you know, I, and I'm thinking these feelers are being put out to these two because they could be good replacement options um, and they could be good, whether that's as a starter or as sticking as that true backup five, uh, which I tend to think that's where they project at. But, um, you know, I, but I also see it kind of gets my wheel spinning on maybe the staff doesn't view Jalen Washington as a backup to the five. Maybe they want to play him at the four. And to be, to be honest, the more I think about it, the more I think maybe Jalen Washington is really progressing, that they feel confident putting him at the four. So that could be a good thing for Carolina. Uh, but also it means that we need to get these guys, one, at least one of these guys in to play the backup if that's going to be the case. Yeah. And so that's kind of my early thoughts on it. But, you know, both of these guys are similar. Um, I think they're, they're lob threats for Elliot Cadeau. They're <laughs> good rebounders and they're rim protectors. Yeah. And that's really all they will have to do. Come in, give us 10 minutes of that, and then let Baycott do the rest, and we could be in good shape. Yeah. It seems like from, from what I've looked and watched, yeah, like you said, neither of them are outside shooters. I, I, I said it on Wednesday, Shawaki literally didn't take a three in his time at West Virginia. It seems like he might be the better offensive rebounder, Okonkwo the better defensive re- rebounder, and Okonkwo's block rate is just a couple percentage points higher than Wagi. So I'm you hear me splitting hairs there. It's kind of like you said, Pac, that they're they're pretty similar in what they can do. If I remember correctly, Wagi is a little bit bigger than Okonkwo, both in terms of height and girth. I just said girth, whatever. Heft. There we go. How about that? Um, but it, it's interesting about the Jalen Washington stuff. I was thinking, as you mentioned that, we really are are then even starting to get maybe a little bit of a log jam at the four because so many have projected, including you and I, that with Cadeau reclassifying, it probably pushes Ingram to the four, but then you got Jalen Withers and Jalen Washington and Zayden High, and it's like, what do you do with all these guys? I think the Tar Heel fan base is kind of going gaga over Jalen Withers right now after that dunk they put out the other day. My goodness, that was some kind of something. And so it's really interesting to see how this all mixes together. And so I feel like of the things that you proposed, that makes sense about Washington going to the four. But I would lean more towards the first thing you said of of maybe a draft and stash or maybe just because of the body similarity, like you you have to have – it's almost like having different types of running backs. Maybe I'll put it that way. Remember Thunder and Lightning for USC when it was – uh, Reggie Bush and Lendale White. Is that right? Yeah. I'm pulling this off the top of my head. So, yeah. um, but it's like the, the different backs were for different occasions and did different things. I guess we could bring it into our own backyard and talk about it in terms of Michael Carter and Javante Williams a couple of years ago and how they were able to switch off and kind of do some different things. And I, I think that is really important for Carolina to have is a, a big wide load behind Armando that Jalen Washington and really nobody else on the team can do. And so I know, I know there's comments out there. I, I saw them on, on the first show after Wagi about, man, it just feels like Jalen Washington keeps getting rooted out. And I hear that and I hear that, but you gotta have somebody, a, a secondary player who can bang with Baycott in the post in practice. I think that's equally as important, Right. And and to have somebody that can do that in a game, we we've talked. You and I have talked about it before, Pac. But 
what happens when you go up against NC State and Homie has it in the post. Like nobody beyond Armando Baycott can stand up to him or hold him off the block. And so mm-hmm. I, I that's just so, so important. And, yeah. and I mean, and for me, I'm still like, what about Mac at the end? Right. Like I, I think that any, any of those guys to me would fit the bill for this thing. Yeah. And, you know, back to your Jalen Washington being rooted out comment, you know, I would just say to those people, consider some of these things. For one, iron sharpens iron. So if we can get talent in there and we can see, you know, how how does he shape up against Jalen Washington? And if he's better than Jalen Washington, then guess who that's good for? That's good for North Carolina. Team. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, and, and these so these guys are coming in, they're making each other better. But then you also got to look at it from a staff perspective and go, okay, Baycott has had some ankle injuries. He's had some foul trouble. And, you know, Jalen Washington is not, you know, I think as the roster stands now, he's the best backup for the five, but he's not some big, huge physical presence. So if we could get one of these two guys that can come in and fill some of that void, that's a win for us too. So it's more of a, to me, it's not a rooting Jalen Washington out. It's more of a, let's cover all of our bases here. That's That's a great way to say that, Pac. Well done. And and ultimately, in terms of what we're actually talking about, like what is this signaling to us about the makeup of next year's roster is like, is is Carolina just talking to these guys because they're potentially leaving West Virginia or have they been more active behind the scenes than we've known? And we're just learning about these because it's fresh and the Bob Huggins stuff. And so the news is getting out there from these guys who's contacting them. I I just don't know. Right. Like we're always putting feelers out and trying to find those things. But again, Carolina keeps it so close to the vest that we're going to have to keep, uh, keep waiting to hear news as these next uh, several weeks and months unfold. But Hey, we're about to turn the calendar to July and you want to get this roster finalized. So these guys can be playing together, getting to know one another, in in a on and off the court sort of way. Um, so, man, Pack, really interesting stuff here. We're obviously going to have to keep tabs on this thing because the this this roster is not done. I think that's the bottom line of what we're learning here. Agreed. All right, coming up, just like we talked about right now, what are we learning about North Carolina's action? What it says about the twenty three twenty four roster? I think there's some things we can learn about what Coach Davis is wanting to do to form the roster going forward by who he is recruiting in the class of 2025. We're going to dive into that and look at it in just a second. But first, this episode of Locked on Tar Heels is brought to you by our friends at FanDuel. Baseball season's in full swing. There's no better place to get in on the action than FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Because right now, new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to one thousand dollars that's up to one thousand dollars back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win just go to fanduel.com locked on to join today you know maybe you can go out there and find some kind of something about shohei otani like plus or minus two home runs plus or minus 18 million strikeouts a game and uh, go ahead and get in on that action in all seriousness don't miss your chance to snag a no sweat first bet up to one thousand dollars when you join FanDuel today. Just go to fanduel.com slash locked on to sign up. 
FanDuel, official partner of Major League Baseball. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. All right, for you everydayers out there, you've been doing a great job of submitting listener questions all the time. In fact, we got one coming up later in the show. But if you've been tracking this week, you know a new way I've been encouraging you to send in questions is so that we can see your face and hear your voice. You can submit a video to LockedOnTarHeels at gmail.com, just like 10 to 15 seconds long. Your name, where you're from, and ask your question. And we will add it into the show, the actual video on the YouTube versions, the actual audio from you on the audio versions. It's going to be a fun way and a great new way to keep growing the community as well. One, I keep half expecting po- open the email one day pack and there's an email from you and it's like, bro, you know, you're always on. You don't get an extra question. <laughs> In all seriousness, let's look ahead to this class of 2025 right now that at least that's been made public. The Tar Heels have made seven offers in the class. And I want to ask the question pack, what can we learn about the roster construction that Carolina is looking for, how they want to play. Do they continue in in this era of the transfer portal? Are they going to continue to draft or try to recruit kids out of high school or not? Some some people are getting away from that because it's like, I can have the maturity of a transfer, right? And if so, what type of player, what ranking of players Carolina going to pursue? There's a whole bunch that I think we can learn. Let me briefly give us these seven scholarship uh, offers that have been extended, and then we'll get into this. And, Pac, I'll let you take it wherever you want to first. Interestingly, all seven of these are classified as, at least right now, shooting guards or power forwards. Three shooting guards, guards, I said that super weird, Isaiah Harwell, Darren Peterson, who I've not done a show on yet, we need to get into talking about him, and Caden Boozer, who is the – I'll say less talented of the Boozer twins, but even he is highly, highly capable as a basketball player. And then four power forwards, Cam Boozer, Koa Pete, Bryson Tiller, who's at Overtime Elite, and Caleb Wilson. Here's what's interesting, Pac, about all of these guys. They're outside of Caden Boozer, who's like mid-20s just about everywhere at the four major recruiting services. The other six are all top 10 level players. And so there's a lot I think we can mine from that information. I'm curious where you want to take this conversation first. Yeah. So, you know, you look at the top 10 caliber players and the offers you have out there. And there's a couple of things I take from it. Number one, it tells me we're going to go after the top talent. And if we don't get it, then we'll fill those gaps in the transfer portal or with what is already on the roster. Um, the second thing it tells me is, and I like this, this point I'm about to make, I, I actually prefer <laughs> this, the point guard and the center, we don't have any offers there. And that tells me that they want, at least for now, I think they want a veteran there in those spots. And I think that that's key because, and I know, I know that we're about to have Elliot Cadeau run the show for us. And he may be the exception to this, but just having that veteran guard play and having that veteran man at the five, I think would go a long ways for us. And I think that we can use the transfer portal to fill those gaps, to fill those holes, you know? And so maybe that's kind of where that's trending, Um, something to keep an eye on at least. Um, And, you know, 
the small forward position too. I mean, you could say the same thing about that. We don't have any offers there. So that could mean several things. Maybe we are going to commit to a three guard system like long-term, okay. or maybe they want proven experience there too. You know, you look at our championship teams and that three man has been like a, a senior in Jackie Manuel or a junior in Theo Pinson or a junior in Justin Jackson. So, you know, those, that's a, it's the same thing as, you know, the guard play. We want veteran experienced leadership at those spots. And so I kind of take a little bit away from that, you know, but then just my wheels are spinning on back to the West Virginia duo that we've put offers out to, you know, I look at that and I go, okay, I really thought we were trajecting more towards our four and five man being stretch guys and being able to shoot from the perimeter. And those guys, like we talked about, aren't that. And so that makes me wonder if we're going to keep recruiting that true back to the basket five and have the four man be the pick and pop. You know, I, there's just a lot of questions that I have with yeah. the roster makeup moving forward. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, cause that worked with Armando and Brady two seasons ago, right? Like in yeah. um, you'd, Probably right. And I think when Jalen Washington's playing the five, which I think he will definitely have uh, his fair share of minutes there this year, you will have that stretch ability. And so it'll be interesting to see. I wonder, you know, I'm going to imagine that between these three shooting guards and four power forwards, there's in this age of positionless basketball, it's like that's the classification you put on them. But I'm sure there's multiple of them that could slide, you know, power forwards could slide down to the three or shooting guards that could slide up to the three. And so it almost feels like what with where you initially started, it almost feels like working to cover two, three and four. And then you find one and five elsewhere in terms of positions on the floor. Um, mm-hmm. But it it is, I mean, coming off a year in which the Tar Heels did not shoot well from deep. And, and that is putting it kindly, <laughs> to be honest. Uh, it's like, we have to continue to prioritize people that can shoot the basketball and score the basketball from outside. And I, I think that is a clear emphasis. What's interesting to me that was a point you made, and I, I want to take it a step further, is to say, hey, let's shoot for the stars with these top 10 level guys and where we miss fill in from the transfer portal. What's interesting about that is you're either way, you're getting one and done's maybe two and out, right? Like if it's a guy, a transfer with a couple years of eligibility or somebody like Harrison Barnes that just ends up sticking around a second year or whatever it may be. Um, And there's also the possibility, I'm wondering with this early start in this recruiting class, if it's like you start at the high end and then maybe if if you start to, because you're not going to, you're not going to hit on all those. There's no way you get all these guys. but as some of them make other decisions, then you filter down to the lower ranked guys or other guys that start popping. I'm thinking about somebody like a Drake Powell that has just shot up the charts. Now, obviously, he's already a Tar Heel commit, but I just mean in terms of his ascension, it's like you could go after him later. And so, um, Pack, I think one thing we're learning is that Carolina is one of the schools that's not going to go away from recruiting high schoolers. It, it appears at least in this cycle, 2025, that Coach Davis is going to continue to look into the high school ranks. The question I think is, is that a one-off thing for 2025, 
another question would be, will he continue to look further down the 2025 ranks? Is he just shooting for the stars right now? Uh, and so that's going to be interesting to watch is who Carolina continues to offer and quite frankly, not offer is just as telling to me. Anything else on this from you, Pac? Well, I like what you said, and I, I do want to make that clear. Carolina is going to recruit high school kids. And I think, I mean, truthfully, I think you have to. Because at yeah. the end of the day, those guys that come in and can stick with your program for two or three years, man, that's that's kind of like the lifeblood of, of who you are as a program. And Carolina, of all places, knows and understands that. And we don't want to forsake that. We don't want these guys – I mean – Great. If they come in for a year or two, we're going to accept them. We're going to love on them. We're going to root for them, all of that. But what's fun is getting those guys and pushing them all the way through. And almost it's almost like watching them grow up. You know, you, you just see them mature so much as a basketball player from the time they get there to the time they leave. And so I like, I like that we're doing that. And I think that's something we need to continue to do. And it'll be a staple for success for us. I, man, I sure hope so. I just – I, I look at how, like, I feel so differently about the Carolina Duke rivalry these days, be, specifically because the Duke guys aren't guys that I grow to love to hate. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, because of of the factor of guys just coming in and out, it's just like, I mean, it, it's Carolina Duke, but it's just not quite the same. And I don't want Carolina to become that. I want, even in this transfer portal NIL era, I want Carolina to be able to still find ways to be a program and not a factory for just getting getting guys to the NBA. And that's going to – here's the thing. That's going to be very difficult to do. I, I recognize that. And so really interesting to see how this continues to flow. Well, it wouldn't be an episode with Coach Pat Kilby if we didn't unpack it. And that's exactly what we're going to do in just a second. Got a great listener question from our guy Terry Weeks about use of the secondary break and pick-and-roll action. I'm going to lob it up to coach Pat Kilby and let him knock it off the tee or slam it home or whatever sports analogy you want to use. We'll do that in just a second. All right, it's time, folks, to unpack it with our guy, Coach Pat Kilby. And the question actually comes, one of our listener questions from Terry Weeks, who is an everydayer. In fact, he just sent me an email today saying he's made his wife an everydayer now. And so I love it. I love families getting together around Locked on Tar Heels. Let's go week's family. Anyway, Terry's email says this. Do you see UNC utilizing the secondary break and the high pick and roll more this season? Many of the set plays last year often seemed to fall apart and then chaos uh, ensued. Your thoughts. And Pac, I, I think before you start answering this question, I think a lot of people probably know that Carolina has historically utilized the secondary break, but might not have a full grasp or understanding of exactly what that is or what it means. So would you start there? Yeah, absolutely. So there's two types of fast breaks. Okay. There's a primary fast break and there's a secondary fast break. Primary is get the rebound, push it up the floor, pitch it ahead, shoot a layup. That's just making a basketball play in transition. Secondary is we're still pushing the ball we don't have a pitch ahead layup. We're going to flow right into this quick hitter action that could get us a quick look. And then boom, we get that shot off early and we're basically playing with pace essentially. So that, that's your difference between primary and secondary. 
perfect um, because most people, I think when they hear fast break, they're thinking of primary fast break. And it's like, that's the understood word in it. And so I just wanted to make sure as we enter this conversation that everyone knows what we're talking about. So now pack, let's answer Terry's question. Do you think, and, and I think I just want to add tempo in general, pace in general to this conversation, because it's not been a hallmark of the Tar Heels the past two years in the Hubert Davis era. So do you see UNC utilizing the secondary break and high pick and roll more this season than we've seen the past year or two? I want to start splitting these up. So uh, first of all, I think to get to the secondary break, we need to get to the primary break. And that's <laughs> where you use tempo. We've got to be able to push the ball up the floor, period. And I pass or dribble, I would say. Yes, preferably pass. You know, yeah. the ball moves faster that way. I think Cadeau has that vision. I think RJ has that vision. Um, we saw that just freakish Jalen Withers dunk. That was a perfect example, Carolina, of primary break. If we can get those, we want those. That's a staple. Secondary break has always been a staple as well. And I would love to see us utilize that more. I think it would be very effective with the group that we have, considering we have so many different skill sets on the floor. Yeah. We could do a lot of different things with it. You know, we could use Ingram as a setup guy to, to create for others. We can use uh, Withers' rim running abilities. We can use RJ's shooting, Cormac's shooting, Cadeau's creative ability. And there's just, it doesn't have to be the traditional Roy Williams secondary break. It can be a million different things. And I think if our staff is going where I think they're going with this, then we will see some more of it. What, what, I appreciate your coyness. Tell me what you mean. Where do you well, think staff is going? Okay. With so, yeah, let me let me go into that a little bit. I, I just with the projected lineup that I think we have, with essentially you know three guards and Cadeau, R.J. Davis, and Cormac Ryan, Ingram at the four and Baycott at the five. I don't see how you can roll that lineup out there and not play with more tempo and seek more primary and secondary options in your offense. And so, to me, to answer your question, Terry, I think. I really think the way our lineup sets up, I just can't imagine them envisioning an offense that doesn't involve those things. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and then and then I want to get into the high pick and roll because I kind of view that separately. Uh, absolutely. Um, a lot of the stuff we did this past year was side pick and roll. So essentially free throw line extended. We were on the outer thirds of the court for a lot of it. But what we've seen as the game evolves is a lot of high pick and roll, which is in that middle third of the court. And what's good about that is you can do a lot of different things. You can go left, you can go right, you can flatten the screen out and you can go either way you want. And the defense has a lot harder time um, icing it or blitzing it or whatever you want to call it. They, it's harder to adjust to. And when you're in the middle of the court, I mean, there's just so many options, you know, and I think, whenever we were in our side pick and roll actions and we had limitations on the court, you know, we didn't shoot the ball very well. Yeah. It couldn't and kick out. It just wasn't reliable. Exactly. And so teams would load us up, keep us on one half of the floor. We would never get any, you know, reversals of the ball. We never changed sides of the floor a lot. And the next thing you know, we've jacked up a tough contested bad shot at the end of the shot clock, to, by the way, at the end of the shot clock and we're having to go get stops. And now 
I, I love your your suggestion and your question in the high pick and roll with with like we said the skill sets that we have you know you've got Cadeau coming off of the screen in the middle with Cormac on one side and RJ on the other one give me it that's tough you know the way Cadeau can create I just think think that would be really tough for people to guard and I, I hope think, I think that's a massive point because then you're putting the deal like if I'm a defender do I, do I come off of RJ or Cormac to to stop Cadeau's penetration or whatever he's doing or do I do I stay attached to my guy and obviously they're going to have their defensive principles that they need to stick to but like that puts a defensive player in a world of indecisiveness well, I wish we had a whiteboard right now so I could show you this, but not only is someone potentially going to have to help to stop the drive, you're going to have to stop the roll from the backside. So yes. if you don't tag up on that or essentially help in, then that's a cross-court kick to Cormac or Cadeau or, um, sorry, David. So you really got to pick your poison. And and that's all of that is talking about what Cormac and RJ can do, and I don't want to forget that Cadeau can score. Yes. You know, he's not just a oh, guy who can drop it off. He can score. So I, I just love that. I hope we do more of that. That's the way the game's trending. And as much as we use the pick and roll, I would once again expect for that to happen. Yep. And I guess we won't know until we actually see it. Yeah. And and we'll have to definitely unpack that more. I you know, I mean, I think traditionally too, the other thing we think about that high pick and roll is that it would be either RJ or Elliott and Armando. I'd love to see it some with Harrison Ingram. Let him be the role guy, like, and and just find other other like. Not that I don't want it to be Armando. Definitely need to because he and RJ were vicious with that in the NCAA tournament run two years ago. But I, I just think there could be fun different ways to utilize it. And I think with Harrison's playmaking ability and his athleticism getting to the right, like, there could just be some different ways to approach it too, which I think makes it even all the more difficult for opposing defenses. Well, yeah, and, and we've only talked about the pick and roll, but you start looking at Ingram, he can do a lot of the pick and pop and set the ghost screens, which is faking a screen and releasing, and then he's got the ball. Someone's having to help up, and he's doing what he does best, and that's create for others and make plays happen. So there's a lot of – there really are a lot of options that we can utilize offensively to be a dangerous, dangerous threat. Well, Pac, this is this is getting some butterflies going in my stomach. Like when you first hold hands with a girl that you want to go on a date with. I just hope I hope it comes to fruition, uh, and uh, that Carolina does what what we're talking about here. Man, this is a great email from Terry. Terry, thank you so much for getting us going on this. Seriously, folks, it makes it so much more fun in the especially in the off season when you're sending in all these great questions. Keep them coming because we love getting to have these conversations all together. Pack, great stuff. Thank you for unpacking that for us as always. Folks, that does it for today's episode of Locked on Tar Heels and this week of Locked on Tar Heels. Been another fun week for sure. You can follow the show on Twitter at Locked on Heels. You can follow our guy Pack at Coach underscore K23, me at Isaac Shade. If you want to send in a question through email or video or whatever, or just have bigger, deeper conversation, LockedOnTarHeels at gmail.com. We'd love to talk with you there. And uh, for those of you watching on Friday, I believe Pac said he's got a pretty open day where he's going to be able to interact and answer some comments back. So uh, would love to be able for you to do that. If you haven't subscribed on YouTube, no time like the present. Go hop on and do that. 
Smash the like button so we know you're here hanging out with us. Leave some comments on your thoughts on today's show. Folks, it's always a great day to be a Tar Heel. We can't wait to talk to you again next week. Pack and I are starting our summer roster preview series, and our man Elliot Cadeau is going to be the first one up. We always start with the freshmen and go from there because the calendar flips to July. That's wild. Anyway, it's a great day to be a Tar Heel. We'll be back with you next week. But until then, peace.